Merry Christmas. How y'all doing? Wear my happy shirt. I'm talking about joy today. This shirt just screams joy. And so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We're going to start with a question because this is really important. When was the last time you experienced joy? We're talking about joy today. And I'm going to give you an illustration of what I'm talking about because there's a difference, I think, in happiness and joy. A lot of times happiness has to do with the happenings around you. Uh, an event can cause you happiness. Joy is deeper than that. It is like this moment where you are just settled, and, and it's happiness, but it's happiness on steroids. It's re, it, you're just settled, and it, it's not because of something that's happening. It's just a state of being. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an illustration of, of when I used to experience joy. You might remember this. When, in, I'm from Kentucky. You might not know that. I, I hardly ever mention it, but I'm from Kentucky, and uh, I don't know if anybody knows. But anyway, um, we occasionally, now it didn't happen as often as it does here, but we would occasionally have a snow day from school. Now here I've noticed, um, here's how it goes in South Carolina. Uh, if there is a threat of snow, you get a day off. Uh, if there is a dusting of snow, you get a week off, and if there are two inches of snow, in fact, I found a meme for South Carolina, um, there's going to be an inch of snow, look, he's got, he's got bread and, and milk, it's really kind of funny, but today we're talking about Christmas joy. Now, for, for me, when I was a kid, if it would snow, there was a city school and a county school, and the county school, they were losers, and they got out of school all the time. I went to the city school where real intelligent people went, you can tell that, and um, and we didn't get out of school as often. And so when I was a kid, the way you would find out if you got school canceled was you turn on the radio. It wasn't official until they said it on the radio. But boy, if they said Danville City Schools canceled, I mean, it was like, that's the joy I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh my, it's like a gift from God. You hear the angels singing. Oh, I mean, it's like, it is the greatest thing ever. My girls, when we moved to Michigan, we had experienced... Kentucky snow, and the experience in Kentucky. Now, my girls went to the county school, and so it's, if it snowed, if it kind of got any snow, we would cancel because there were hills and things for the buses, and they couldn't get there. So you can imagine my daughters. We moved to Michigan in the summer. Uh, it, it gets to be fall. The first snowfall in Michigan on West Michigan next to the lake, I mean, it's lake effect. It is going to snow, and it snowed, and and you could see on their little faces, they went to bed that night, and it was snowing. And they went, I mean, you could tell the anticipation. Their little faces were just cheery and bright, and, and it was going to be magical. And they, when we tucked them in, they, they were peeking out the window, you know, because there's snow. And they knew what that meant in Kentucky. That means a snow day. And we woke up. The next morning, and there was only 12 inches of snow. It's hardly any snow for Michigan. And they, they bounded out of bed. I mean, they were so excited because they just knew it was going to be a snow day. And they tur we turned on the television, and it was like nothing was canceled because it's Michigan. And we found out later, after eight winters of living there, that if they canceled every time it snowed, you would never do anything. And so uh, they experienced unjoy that day, okay? So um, we're talking about the opposite of unjoy. What does it feel like to have joy? Now, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to go to a traditional Christmas verse today. But there's something about joy that goes with 
Christmas. And so you have, you have these characters in the Christmas story, and they all exhibit joy in different ways. Mary sings. Uh, the Magi, they bring gifts, right? The shepherds leave their flocks, and they, they travel, and they share. And there's a little drummer boy, and he's barumpa bump bump And I mean, I, you know, there's, everybody has a story. And then there's the angels, and they exhibit and they express joy this way. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, nearby where Jesus was born. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. It's interesting to me, I, just kind of, let's take just one step to the side. Uh, when God's glory shows up, people get scared. <laughs> uh, it, it happens, you see it all the time in Scripture, and this was the magnitude of God's glory. We're going to talk about that word in a second. But the magnitude was just overwhelming for the shepherds. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And he goes on to say, uh, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Okay, so joy is a word that we use around Christmas, but I'm not sure we understand it. I mean, you see joy on mugs. They sell a big joy up at Lowe's. I think it costs $9,000, and uh, you can put it in your yard, you know. And I was going to, like, I was going to buy that and put it on stage, but our stage isn't big enough. I mean, it's like, uh, it's huge, and, and we want to, we want to appropriate joy. It's just we don't, we don't always know how, and so we're going to talk about how to do that today. In fact, this emoji is uh, the ha joy of happiness or crying with joy or uh, let's see what's the exact term tears of joy emoji it is the second most used emoji in the world for those of you who don't know an emoji what an emoji is ask a millennial they'll tell you uh, but um, it, it's the second most used the first one is the heart evidently so I think most of us agree would agree that there is a a passion for joy this season. We are really, really looking for it. That's why, have you watched any of the Hallmark Christmas movies? No man raises his hand. That's right. No, that's right. I mean, to watch a Hallmark Christmas movie if you're a man, just turn in your man card and just be done with it because you really, you cannot watch it. But, but we're looking for this, this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling. And there's sort of this, this commitment to joy it's just we don't know where to get it. Now, here's what are, what's really tough about the Christmas season. And, and this might apply to some of you. It's difficult for lots of people. If you've lost a loved one, if you have experienced any kind of loss, uh, if you're lonely. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for there to be unjoy at Christmas. Now, there's a lot of reasons to have joy as well. And so let's look at that just a bit. The angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. No, notice there's a cause and effect. Because of the good news, there is great joy. The good news is a Savior is born to you. Uh, this is the good news. The good news is there's a Savior born and it causes joy. And really, that's the great cause of joy. Joy is connected to great news. The, the great news is... This, this child was born, not just born, but he was born for you. When I was in um, Michigan, I preached one Easter, and, and Easter crowds are always larger, and, and I made the illustration. Now, in, in Michigan, bless their hearts, bless their hearts, there are no Chick-fil-A's. I know, it's sad. We should pray. Uh, it, really, it really is sad. 
The closest Chick-fil-A to where I lived was South Bend, Indiana, 100 miles, and it was worth the travel. I mean, really, it was worth it. Anytime we would go to Kentucky, we would, we would stop at the Chick-fil-A because we never got it. We just never got it. So one Easter, as an illustration, I said, um, <laughs> I said there's a difference between uh, good news and great news. And I illustrated like this. Good news is if you're in Muskegon and you find out that Chick-fil-A is giving away free chicken sandwiches. That's good news. Great news is if Chick-fil-A is giving away free chicken sandwiches and they're going to open a store in Muskegon. Now, it, become, it goes from good news to great news. Because now, not only is it good, but I can apply it to me, right? The difference between good news and great news is great news I can apply to my situation. <laughs> After the service was over, I had a guy that came up. He happened to be a manager of a Chick-fil-A in, in um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he said, would you like some free gift cards? And I'm like, mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, second service, I used Red Lobster uh, as an illustration, <laughs> hoping that it would work out for me. But, but, but what we have to understand is the good news is, isn't just good. It, it's great because it's great because you can apply it to you. There's a Savior born, and He was born for you. I, I love the angels. I've always loved angels. And I think it was because when I was a kid, I was cast in a Christmas pageant as an angel. I, I know, you're thinking it was typecasting. I thought that too. Um, I mean, who better? You, if you knew my friends, they're all jerks. And so uh, uh, I, I thought, oh, <laughs> it just makes sense. And I kind of walked a little taller. And, and then I found out later, you know, it kind of burst my bubble just a bit, that I was the only one that fit the uniform. Uh, you know, I was the only one that had the costume size. But, but, but still, I've always liked the angels. And, and the angels, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Let's talk about the word glory just for a second. I kind of wanted to come back to it. Now we're, we're back to it. It, there's a, it's a Greek word, and it, the Greek word is doxa. So if you go out and you see people from First Baptist, you tell them you learned the Greek word today, doxa, and ask them if they know what it is, they won't. Uh, doxa. The, the, doxa is a hard word to de describe, but let, let me, I'll give it a go. It, it means weighty or bright, or uh, it, it, it sort of means it's got great energy right? The, the glory of God is this, this energy. And what we see in Scripture is the glory and the Lord, they go together. Where there's God, there's glory. And where there's glory, there's, there's God. They always go together. It's like, you know, spaghetti and meatballs. It always goes together. God always has this weightiness. He always has this this something, it's like, it, it goes together like peaches and herb. I mean, you know, it is like, it, they always go together. You always see them together. And so this, this glory is, is nearly overwhelming. That's why the shepherds were fearful, because the glory of God is just, is just massive. Now, I'm going to teach you something else. Man, you guys are going to be so smart when you leave here. Uh, not as if you weren't when you came, but you're going to be smarter. There's something called the Pauli Exclusion Principle. You, does anyone know what it is? I didn't think so. Okay. Um, <laughs> The general idea of it, this is a physics principle, and it's basically if two things can't occupy the same space, so the weightier of the two wins out. If there are two things trying to occupy the same space, the one that's more dense, the one that's weightier, the one that has more, 
energy, that is the one that will push something else out. And that has to do with Christmas in this regard. The angels show up, the glory of the Lord is there, and it is as if, it's as if there's a new reality. There's the old way of life, the old way of doing things, and it gives way to something weightier. The Pauline exclusion principle applies here. There's the old way, and now the glory of the Lord supersedes the old way. It pushes out the old way. Heaven up there, which is weighty and amazing, has come down here. And, and it, it is overwhelming to the shepherds. It's kind of interesting how that works. And, and so... You have this collision of worlds, and in this collision of worlds, God's, God wins out. You see it, um, you see this collision, you see this joy. Um, my, my best, the best example I have is, is when my wife, when our, when our girls are all home and they're singing, my wife just oozes joy. She oozes it. It's like, you don't, she doesn't have to say anything, she sort of glows she never glows with me. Uh, but uh, when the girls are home, when all the girls are home, that's not true. She, she has glowed once. Uh, but um, when the girls are home and everybody's in the house and, and you know, they, they bring their guitars and their ukuleles and they sing and they, they, they laugh and it's just, it, the, the room is full of this energy. And that's when my wife, that's joy. I can just see it on her. She is full of joy. I get it too, by the way. Because what usually isn't is. <laughs> we usually don't have them all. I mean, one of my kids lives in Michigan. One lives in Kentucky or Ohio. One lives in, in Knoxville. I mean, they're not even close to us. And yet when they all get in the room together, when we're all together, now we have this, this synergy, right? And what happens at Christmas is heaven came to us, and, and it was joy, right? It's joy. This is Isaac Watts. He's got some mad locks, doesn't he? Uh, Isaac Watts wrote the song, Joy to the World. It is the number two song at Christmas every year, number two. I think number one is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, but I'm not sure about that. But... Um, I think it goes, that, that song was written in 1719. It's not like it's a new tune. But we love the song Joy to the World because we all want joy. Who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want more joy? I mean, we all want more joy. And, and Isaac Watts wrote this song after, it really wasn't even a Christmas song. He wrote it about the 98th Psalm. Let, let me, let's read a little bit of it. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him and for us. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And Isaac Watts, he wrote 750 hymns. And he got one good one. I mean, really, he's not very good. Uh, but the one he got was great. And it's, it's about this. And, and he was overwhelmed. It's like, oh my word, salvation. Jesus' victory is our victory. And heaven that was up there now came down here. And it, it, God is a pursuing God. And his love is a pursuing love. And that's why he sent 
He sent His Son to us. I think about it like this. Uh, let me go back to Michigan for one more illustration. One, one year, it was toward the end of Janelle's time there. It's actually toward the end of our time there. Uh, occasionally, there would be a blizzard. A blizzard, I think it has to be 35-mile-an-hour winds and snow. And so basically, basically, this is what it looks like. Uh, you can't see anything. It's, it's white. Um, and so there was a blizzard one day, officially a blizzard, blizzard warning. That what that, you, you want to know what you're supposed to do at a blizzard warning in Michigan? Nothing different. Uh, really, nobody changes. Um, but I, I thought th- it would be great to go to Lake Michigan and see the blizzard. Can you say father of the year? I mean, really, I, I pretty... So I took Elise, who was six, maybe, and I took Janelle. She was probably 15, 16, something like that. And we went to Lake Michigan. I don't know why Miriam let us go, but she did. She's so sweet. She let us go. Now, what you need to know about a blizzard is you can't see jack nothing. I mean, there's, there, you can't see. So we, we drove to the park where we, you can walk down to Lake Michigan. We lived two miles from there, maybe a mile. It was really close. We drove down there. Um, funny, nobody else was there. I don't know. Uh, and uh, we parked our car, and we started to walk along the path that we've walked a um, hundred times, except you can't tell where you are. Now, there was a fence. That was nice. And we get to Lake Michigan. You want to know what you can see? Nothing. It's the same as at home. It was just stupid. That was the stupidest idea. I can't believe she let us go. Uh, But we went. We went. And I mean, now here's what's really dangerous about this. You can't tell there's a lake. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, we're going to get to the lake and you can tell. You can't. The lake is frozen. What's really dangerous is you can't see. So you could walk out on the lake and not know where you are and then you get turned around and you cannot see. It if you've watched that episode of Little House on the Prairie where people die, that's what happened. I mean, it kind of be one of those deals. And so we're out there. It took about an hour to walk to the lake because it was just horrible. We're all freezing to death. I mean, it's, you know, when the wind blows like that, I don't care how many layers you have on. It's, it's cutting through. It's killing us. So we walk back to the car, which takes another hour to get back. And by the time we get to the car, I mean, it's, have you ever been really, really cold? I mean, really cold. Like, you can't hardly move your fingers cold. And it was that. And we drive the mile home, and, and, and we, we walk in the house. And my sweet wife, she makes this hot cocoa. Is there anything better than cocoa when you're, when you're cold? I mean, it warms you from the inside out. I think she felt guilty for letting us go. And uh, uh, she, she made the hot cocoa, and it was delightful and delicious. And, the, and she, she warmed us up with blankets. This is what I think about when I think of, of Jesus coming. There's this, it's like stepping out of a blizzard into a cocoa warm environment. I'm in this cold world, and I can't see, and it's horrible, and then I, I, I develop a relationship. I, I, I begin a relationship with Jesus, and I step out. I step from coldness and darkness into warmth and into light. See, joy is this pervasive sense of well-being. I, I was lost but now I'm found. Look at this verse. I love this verse. In your presence there is fullness of joy. See, in our world, happiness revolves around circumstances. 
If I get a new puppy, I'm, I'm happy. If I get a new something, I'm happy. If I get a gift card, I'm happy. The, the problem is the happiness wears off. Puppies, I don't know if you know this, they grow out of being puppies. And then they become dogs, and they're not as great. Evidently, I don't know, I don't have one. But, uh, and puppies, they leave little surprises for you around the house while they're puppies. And, and, and we're happy for a moment, but then the, the happiness wears off. And you get a gift card, and that's great. But then you spend it all up, and now the gift card isn't worth anything, and you have to have another gift card to replicate this joy, this happiness that you've gotten. So let's talk about how can I appropriate God's joy from Christmas in my life today. Let's talk about that. There are kind of three things. Let, let me show you. First, you say yes to this new reality. There was a cold way, and now there's a warm way. And look at what it says. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You want to know whose favor God's, uh, on whom God's favor rests? There's a verse here. These are the ones I look on with favor, so we don't have to worry, uh, wonder which ones. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. There's, there's a biblical word that we kind of use, it's sort of churchy now, repent is the word. But let me give you a definition of repent that's less churchy. To repent basically means to think differently. Um, I had this opportunity last week to go to Kentucky. Two weeks, two weeks in a row I've gone to Kentucky for funerals. My best friend, I talk about him some, Mike Wilson, his mom died. His mom, I've known her all my life. My mom and her, they were great friends. And so it was an opportunity to go and, and to be with, right? Because part of what it means to be a friend is to be with. And so uh, I, I drove to Kentucky, and, and th there's this, this funeral and... And the gift is, the, 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 it was an odd situation because I had joy and sadness in the same room. I was joyful to see my friends. I hadn't seen some of them for 20, 30 years. I'm sad for my friend who lost his mother. It, joy and sadness can be in the same room. And I get in the car and I'm heading home and I had gone up one route and I decided I was going to come a different route home and I don't try, drive it as often and I got lost. The beautiful thing about phones today is you have GPS on them and I, I put in my phone I wanted to go home and it, it told me to repent. <laughs> Basically. You're going this way it says and, and on the screen it, it, had a little, it had a little arrow and it was turning me back. That's what repent means. I'm going this way. I get some new information and I, I had to make a U-turn and go back. That's what, repenting, that's what repenting is. I, I'm living this way and I get new information and I decided, well, I probably need to turn around and go back. And, and sometimes we get our mind about us and we do, we're going a certain direction and we think that's the right direction. And God says, no, I need you to turn around and go back. See, John's message to everyone was repent for the kingdom of it and heaven is near. It, it requires this idea that I'm going this way and this way is my way and God wants me to go another way and so I just turn around, I repent and go back. You have to say yes to a new reality. I'm going the wrong way. I need to turn around and go the right way. The second thing is you have to make space. When the angels had left them, gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. 
They had to leave their sheep. They had to do something. They had to give something up. They had to make space to experience Jesus. Sort of think about that in relationship to the innkeeper. We're not introduced to the innkeeper in the text we read today, but we do know that Jesus and uh, I'm sorry, Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem and they go to the inn and there's no room. And we've got to give, cut this guy some slack. I mean, there are lots of people in town. It, it was uh, a time where they were taking a census and so everybody was there. And the innkeeper probably did the best he could. But, but what's interesting about that whole deal is he didn't say, and it wasn't like he was against Mary and Joseph. He just didn't have space. And I think for some of us at Christmas, it's not as if we're against Jesus. We just don't have time. I mean, I mean, are you busy at Christmas with parties and shopping and family and folks coming over and you have to do things? And Christmas, if we're not careful, we don't overtly say, Jesus, I don't have time for you. He just sort of gets pushed out because we fill it up. We fill our time up with so many other things. So making space... Here's what I, I kind of I saw this the other day. I liked it. No vacancy, no joy. When we don't make space, we have no joy. Th- think about it. Everybody in this story had to had to give up something. Had to make space. The shepherds they they left their flocks in the field and and they went to see Jesus. They made space. That's not what they were supposed to do. That's just what they did. The magi who come from the east they have to make space. They have to disobey. Herod, that's not a good practice normally. Uh, Herod said, hey, go find the, son, the child and, and tell me about him. I'd like to worship him too. And that was a lie. And the Magi figured this out and they, they, they make space. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they gave, up, they gave up something to make space for Jesus. They gave up their reputation. Mary was found to be with child before she was married to Joseph. I mean, both of their reputations were at stake. Jesus gave up the most. In Hebrews it says... Because of the joy, there's our word, awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, degrading its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I don't know what you need to give up, what you need to, how you need to make space for Jesus at Christmas. For some of us, it's at the dinner table when we're with family, let's just put the phone down. Just make space. Let's let's be present. For some of us, it's let's go see friends. Let let's be in the moment with people. Um, for some of us, it's let's turn off the news because I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, I get sad. And, and I've been listening to Christmas songs. Um, they're kind of they're kind of catchy. The one I hate, though, is Jingle Bells with the dogs barking. I hate that one. Uh, But uh, uh, most everything else, and uh, Last Christmas with Wham, horrible. But most of them are pretty good. God rest you, merry gentlemen, that's from God. I like that one. I don't care what version. I love every time that comes on. Because it makes, it it just, there's joy involved. So how do we need to make space? I don't know what it means for you. I can't tell you. I'm just giving you some examples of how making space looks. There's a third thing. We've got to look for glory. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. Now, the shepherds, they went back to their old job. (laughs) They were working the night shift, right? The sheep aren't smart. They're very needy. 
It's not a great job. In fact, it's a lowly job. The shepherds have to go back to this lowly job. They have to go back to the same situation, yet they begin to see things differently. They're looking through a different lens, and they begin to tell everybody what they'd seen. And this is what happens when we start to look for God's glory. Where is He working? He's working every place. You just have to start looking for it. And we begin to see where God is looking, where God is working. And so when we, when we see something where God is working, we, we can thank God for it. And like I say, even at this funeral, I saw God working because God, through this tragic event, we're, we're bringing people back together. God has this amazing ability to work good out of something not good. He, he is amazing. You don't notice those things unless you're looking for them. And so God is always working. We just have to start noticing. Let me show you a verse from Revelation 4. Day after day and night after night, they keep saying, the angels, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was and who is and who is to come. And this is what heaven is like. And just let me, let me give you a, a, an honest observation about this. This looks boring as it can be to me. I'm in heaven and all I'm going to hear is holy, holy, holy. I mean, like, oh, my word, over and over and over. Oh, ah. Okay. Then I got an idea around it. I read something and I'm like, oh, this makes sense. I'm going to show you a video. Have you ever noticed that when kids find something they love, they want you to do it more than once, right? They want you to do it again and again, right? Watch this. Isaac Watts in his song, uh, Joy to the World, he says, repeat the sounding joy. I think heaven is like that. We're in the presence of Jesus and we just can't get enough. And the angels say, holy, holy, holy. And it's, it's kind of like them saying, oh, do it again. Do it again. It's like that. 
Father, we, we appreciate the fact that you sent heaven up there to us down here. That we can experience real heart, soul joy. Not a joy that fades, not a joy that's related or connected to a circumstance. You've given us real joy. Or at least you've given us the chance at real joy. Father, I pray that we would just embrace that joy this season. We're two days away from Christmas. Every day could be a day where we repeat the sounding joy. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that gift that you gave to us. Help us to begin to notice. If we're going the wrong direction, help us to turn. Help us to make space for joy. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.